everyone, and welcome to the Worldonomics podcast, brought to you by the UQES diversity team. I'm Liam. I'm Bronwyn. And I'm Elise. And each week, we bring in a new guest to talk about the issues that matter. Welcome to the first episode of this mini podcast series. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land upon which we record this podcast today, and would like to pay my respects to elders past, present, and emerging. So now I'd like to welcome our first ever guest, Associate Professor Jacqueline Humphrey, who is here to talk to us about ESG investing. So Jacqueline, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Thanks, Maylis, and thanks so much for having me. It's, a, it's an honour to be on your, your first launch podcast. It's fantastic. Um, yeah, so I'm an Associate Professor in Finance here at the UQ Business School. Um, my research expertise is in ESG, um, so that stands for Environment, Social and Governance. Um, I've been researching ESG for over 15 years. I think that's literally before the term even existed. Um, so it's been, it's been a long time. Um, I also lead an interdisciplinary research team here at the Business School called the Business Sustainability Initiative. Um, so we're a group of just over 20 researchers looking at sustainability issues from different lenses um, across the business uh, spectrum. So, so strategy, tourism, accounting, you name it in business, we, 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 we research that. Um, so yes, as I said, thanks very much for having me. Um, I just wanted to say before we start, because I know we're going to be talking a bit about ESG investment. Um, so I am not a, a licensed financial advisor, so anything that I talk about today cannot be taken as advice. Um, but super happy to be talking to you and definitely happy to talk to you about kind of what the research is showing and where ESG is going and that kind of stuff. Just to start off with something a bit lighthearted, what is your quarantine tip? Like, what are you doing to stay sane during all of this? <laughs> Thanks, Liam. Yeah. Um, all right, so my tip is give yourself something to look forward to every day. Um, so that could be maybe go for a takeaway coffee somewhere that uses reusable cup, that they're going to allow you to do that. Um, or go for a walk with a friend um, or a bike ride, right? So I think in Australia and particularly in Queensland, we're pretty lucky we can still get out and about. And so I think it's important to kind of stay positive. And so having that little something to look forward to, I found has been really helpful every day. Yeah, that was great. Um, so now moving on to investing in ESGs, what would you say are the biggest misconceptions about um, being socially and environmentally responsible for companies? All right, thanks, Brian. That's a really great question. Um, it's been very interesting to see how um, companies talk about ESG and how that's changed over time. Um, I think even five years ago, ESG was seen as this kind of niche market, like really expensive, um, that a lot of companies could just kind of ignore. Um, there's been a lot of change, as, as I said, kind of over the last few years. Um, so it's definitely no longer the case than, that companies can just think they can ignore ESG issues. Uh, the other big question, particularly, I guess, when ESG was kind of starting out, was what's it going to do to your bottom line? Um, so as a company, you know, are my shareholders going to be worse off if we, if we um, think about incorporating ESG considerations? Um, and so the research, uh, the early research has um, focused on that a lot. And there's been a lot of research that's kind of looked at, you know, what are the, the, sh the implications for share price? Um, and so the research is pretty conclusive that you're not going to, you know, a company's share, shares aren't going to be worse off 
if, if you um, incorporate ESG. Um, and so there's also been research that's looked at, um, so investment funds, um, and so they've looked at funds that incorporate ESG and funds that don't. Um, and so that research has also shown that there's no performance difference. So I think those have been kind of the two big issues from, from that perspective. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so following on from that, how do you think investors have responded to ESG and its gaining popularity? And how does this differ from country to country? Okay, um, so it's, as I said, it's been, it's been interesting to kind of watch the, the progress of ESG and how it's becoming more mainstream, I suppose. Um, there's definitely increasing demand for ESG. Um, so um, the Responsible Investment Association of Australasia, the IRAA, um, they recently put out a report on, on ESG investing within Australia. Um, so I'd really encourage you to go and have a look. If anyone is interested, go have a look at that report. It's, it's very interesting looking at kind of trends, particularly within Australia. Um, and so like in that report, they, they say that 44% of Australia's professionally managed um, assets are managed in accordance with responsible investment principles. And that's up from 17% five years ago. So from 17 to 44, like it's a massive increase. So we are definitely seeing more demand for ESG. Um, one of the really interesting uh, things that has come out of research as well is that millennials are really um, pushing ESG. It's something that millennials are really um, you know, concerned about. So, so your guys generation. Um, and so we, we're going to be, it's going to be very interesting to watch what happens as you guys, um, you know, join the workforce, as you become the main investors, um, you know, the, the main people with, with wealth. Um, and so I think that's going to be a big change in the market as well as millennials start to become the, the predominant investors. Um, in terms of how it differs from country to country, you know, each country, so there's, there's been research that's looked at how it's implemented in different countries and really um, there's a lot of factors that implement, that, that determine how ESG will be implemented. So there's cultural factors, there's religious factors, there's, you know, sort of country specific factors, you know, what, what's happening in the country at that time. Um, at the moment, obviously, climate change is very much on the agenda for a lot of the world. Um, and then there's also, there's also been some um, geographic locations that have been more sort of ahead of the curve. So you can think about Europe has always been very much ahead of the curve. So, for example, you know, at the moment they're, they're rolling out, um, you know, their um, sustainable finance strategy, for example. And so that's quite a lot more advanced in Europe than, than what we see in other jurisdictions. Uh, just to follow up on that, um, you talked about how in the last five years there's been that big change. What's the main driver behind that? Why the last five years? That's a very good question. So I, th I think there are, there are a number of things. So, so one part of that, as I, as I said, has been millennials sort of, you know, starting to be the investors and so starting to, to, to demand that. That's, that's one of the big driving factors. Um, I also think the fact that climate change is, people are much more aware, aware of climate change. Um, I think that's also one of the drivers. So, um, you know, it's, it's in the news, it's, it's on people's agenda, you know. Um, so I, I think those factors have really made um, people more aware of, of ESG type issues. Um, back to ESG, I guess. How do you like measure it accurately? Because there's a lot of different like standards for it, and in some cases, you can have you know tobacco companies ranking quite highly in some measures and not so well in others. So I guess how do you sort of um, meet that inconsistency, and how do you make sure you're accurately representing like ESG? 
Okay. Um, so there's a couple of things in there with, with what you just said. Uh, so firstly, yes, the way, uh, the way ESG is implemented can be different. Um, so to take your example um, of tobacco companies, so, so sometimes the very, the very beginnings of ESG used what was called negative screening. And so that was when an investor would go in and say, hey, you know, um, I'm a religious person, you know, I don't, I don't, I think smoking is really bad for, for people and gambling and tobacco, whatever. And so they went to their advisors and said, we want a portfolio that's not going to incorporate those issues. Um, so over time, there's been other types of investors that come in and sort of said, well, actually, we don't really care if we invest in alcohol companies, but we want to make sure that if we invest in the alcohol companies, we invest in that those companies that have really good environmental performance and really good you know, social performance. Um, so that's the, that type of investing is called best of sector. So you don't have any of the negative screening, but you choose kind of the best ESG performance within each industry category. Um, so that's one issue. So how, how ESG is implemented does differ across products. And really, I think that that's a good thing. Um, the, the, uh, different people want different things out of ESG. So you've got to find the product that works for you. Um, so that's one issue, like how it's actually implemented. Um, another issue is that how do, you measure, yeah, how do you measure ESG, right? So how do you know this is a good ESG company or this is, this is not? Um, and over time, there's been an increasing number of companies that provide ESG ratings. So it is a little bit of, case of a case of you need to do more homework. Um, the ratings agencies are quite different um, in terms of um, so what, what issues they consider. Um, so different agencies will look at different issues. Um, they might, um, so you might get an overall ESG score, but the, the actual issues that underlie that could be different between different agencies. Um, how they actually rate could be different. Um, so it might be like a zero one, it might be a yes, no, it might be a score. Um, and then the information that they use can be different. So um, a lot of rating agencies will use publicly available information. So what's, what's the information in the sustainability report? What's the information in the, um, the annual report? Um, and then some ratings agencies will also interview kind of company managers and, and do their own scaling. So definitely measuring ESG is something that's really hard. Um, and it's something that, you know, the research is very much, well, this is something we need to get right. Um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely an issue in the area. I would say, though, that that doesn't mean throw the baby with the bathwater. I'd say it's, it's, it's really a case of digging, okay, so what, what are the issues that are really important to me? And then is this ratings agency actually capturing those? It's very interesting. And our last question today, one that I'm very curious about, is how does gender fit into ESGs? Mm -hmm. Thanks. Um, all right, so there's two, two ways of thinking about this. Um, so one is from the investor perspective. perspective. So what's been really interesting is that um, a lot of the research has found that women are more likely to want to invest according to ESG. Um, so, so again, those drivers are kind of millennials and, and women. Um, so that's been found in, in other jurisdictions. And, and um, so recently, as I said, there was that RIAA report which was looking specifically at Australia. And they found that in Australia too. So really women were more likely to want an ESG type financial product. Um, from the evaluation perspective, um, gender is usually incorporated as one of the ESG factors. So that would be things like, you know, how many women are on the board of this company? Um, does this company have a diversity policy? 
um, you know, what are their hiring practices um, with, with respect to gender? So gender is definitely um, a part of the ESG agenda as well. Oh, well, thank you for that. Um, that's all the questions we had planned today. Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for taking the time to speak to us today. It was really insightful. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. That's all for this week. Thanks for listening and we hope to see you again next week.